0: People's testimonies of whatever, whatever is needed, um, as we see that in this church so often. Whatever is needed, uh, we need folks to step in, and the need was there. So I responded. He'd asked, he'd asked me at the beginning of the year. You know, do you want to, do you want to preach? If it's needed, sure. He asked me three weeks later, do you want to preach? If it's needed, sure. So here I am, um, and honored, privileged uh, to be up here. As I said, so. We've, we've worshipped uh, through just gathering, uh, meeting up here and greeting one another uh, with a smile, asking each other how we really are doing, which I think is, is unusual sometimes in today's culture. So we've done that. We've worshipped through singing, and what a, what a great freedom it is to have the ability to sing freely uh, to the Lord um, and express our, our praise and our love for Him. And pretty soon, we'll, we'll, we've, also, um, we've also given of our tithes and offerings and worshiped in that way. And pretty soon, we'll read the scriptures. But first, we come to a time uh, of offering. And I'm going to go a little bit out of order. This is Communitas Church. You are in the right place. So uh, Mike Gary, the pastor uh, who I was talking about earlier, is, uh, he's out. And uh, like I said, it's, it's great to be up here. But uh, we move into communion. And communion is a very sacred time. Uh, we do it every week because of its um, sacredness. Um, it's, it's a time to remember what the Lord has done for us and remember that he shed his blood. He took all of our, all of our sins, um, every, every errant thought, every um, action that did not align with what the Lord wanted us to do, he took that so that we could be with him because that's how much he loves us. And so in this time... Uh, we'd like to take a quick time of silence uh, before we take communion. Um, And in this time, you'll be asking the questions of of who is God the Father? Um, How how are things made, and and how does the fact that God the Father exists, how does that affect the way that I live? And who is Jesus Christ, his son, and, and how does the way that Jesus lived his life affect the way that I live mine today? And then, who's God, the Holy Spirit, and and how does how does His direction and His conviction on my life for for what I I should do, or maybe things that you know I I've done poorly? And we can look back on that conviction. We can also look back on the things that we've done well and have those things be confirmed uh, by the Holy Spirit. But we'll just take some time for that. Um, quick notes on communion. Um, if you're a believer, you don't have to be a member of Communitas Church uh, to to have communion here. We just ask that you be a repentant follower of Jesus Christ um, and you are welcome uh, to the table. And so uh, it's possible that some noises might be made. Um, and if that occurs, uh, we just, we're, we're not going to let it uh, stymie the fact that the Holy Spirit's in this room, that he is working in us and speaking to us. And so We invite everyone in this room, young and old, to ask these questions. Who is God the Father? Who is God the Son? And who is God the Holy Spirit? There's no timing on this. Uh, Come up to the elements on my right, on my left, whenever you feel ready uh, to be able to do so. Yeah, we'll take that time now. Sometimes in our culture, silence is deafening. What it speaks to, the amount of people in this room, all listening for what the Lord has for them. And it's just it's it's amazing that, like I said, we're we're allowed these freedoms. I know I don't take advantage of it enough to be able to to listen to the Lord here every Sunday, uh, at lunch break at work or wherever um, it can be done. But all right, we'll we'll now take these elements together on the night that. Jesus was betrayed. He was with some friends, um, his closest friends, saying that he would be leaving them. And he he took the bread, he broke it, and said, this is my body. And in a similar way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. As often as you drink of this cup, eat this bread, do so in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for this sacrifice that you've given to us. and we, we look forward to when you come again. And Lord, we, we just thank you for this place and this space and that you're with us and we ask you to forgive our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we have some communion buckets coming around. Uh, let's recycle those um, cups for you. And we'll have Sam... Mandel, come on up, he'll do the scripture reading, and then we'll continue with the service.
1: I'll be reading from uh, Genesis 28, 10 through 22, and then Genesis 29, uh, 15 through uh, 31, and then... 30 through 24. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night. Because the sun had set, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the, at the first then J- Jacob made a vow saying if god will be with me and i will keep and will keep me in this way that i go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that i come again to my father's house in peace then the lord shall be my god and this stone which i have set up for a pillar shall be god's house and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. 29 15 to 31 Then Laban said to Jacob, "Because you are my kinsman, should I therefore serve should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, What shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah, to his daughter Leah, to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one and I will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her, her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bil- Bilha to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went in to La- Rachel also and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Then on to chapter 30, starting with verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children, or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said... Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my servant Bilhah. Go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave her, him her servant Bilhah as a wife. And Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son therefore she called his name Dan Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son then Rachel said with mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed so she called his name Naphtali then Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as his as a wife Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, good fortune has come, so she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, happy am I, for women have called me happy, so she called his name Asher. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then, Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, "It is, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph. Saying, May the Lord add to me another son. Thank you, Sam. There's a lot to get through,
0: but it's important that we did. So at this time, uh, the kids can head on out to that door. And thank you to Sarah and Sadie, Karen and Luke, Chris, PJ, and Jason. As bringing our kids up in the faith is an extremely important role. And Lord, we just pray that you would be back in those rooms, that you would speak and reveal yourself, your Holy Spirit, in that place. So we get into 28 through 31. Um, I know that so far there's been a lot of dysfunction. In this family to say the least and it's 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 amazing to see it time and time again but I'd be remiss if I didn't introduce myself my name's Andrew Pitkin um, I've been going to this church for a year and a half and I I guess the the elders and other folks decided that was enough time for me to come up here so uh, but as I said happy to do it a privilege and also understanding uh, the the Bible verses that of course talk about you know, how there, there can be, I think it's like more judgment for those who are teaching. That, that teaching is a very serious thing. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm certainly teaching in light of that. Um, and and my, my hope and my prayer has been that uh, the Lord would speak through me, um, you know, possibly in spite of me. Hopefully I'm going along with it. But what, whatever is not of him, I want to just fall on deaf ears. Um, and what's of him, I pray it would, would stick with you all. So we get right into it. Jacob is being sent away by Rebekah so that he's not possibly killed by Esau. That's kind of where we left things. Esau's his brother. And you know Esau's mad because his birthright's gone. He traded it for a bowl of soup. Um, and then also uh, he stole Esau's blessing from his father Isaac. And so, uh, but Rebekah's like, all right, got to get him out of here. And Isaac and Rebekah... Isaac's like, I don't agree with you on much these days uh, because the marriage wasn't so great. But in the end, uh, he's like, yeah, we need to get him out of here. We don't want him to be killed, and we also don't want him to marry these Hittite women. That was kind of the, the, the kicker um, for Isaac because Esau had married some, and so it's like, all right, let's get him out of here. So Jacob sets off on his own. He's fleeing um, and comes to sleep in this place, and we come to the story of Jacob's dream. Um, and it's it's a really extravagant and beautiful picture, and it, it needs not to be lost on us the fact that he sees God at the top of a ladder, the Lord he sees him, and it's not that's not something that happens too often uh, in the scriptures and um, so in in that sense it's a very significant encounter, and he sets up a, a stone saying, this is a holy place. It's an awesome place. Um, and again, with, when angels and the Lord appears, there's usually a little bit of fear. We see that again. And so uh, Jacob's dream matters from the standpoint of um, Jacob's on the run, and God says, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to Padan Aram with you, and you don't have to be worried in that way. Abraham's promise is reaffirmed to Jacob. Um, so it went from Abraham to Isaac, now to Jacob. And this is a, a dream and a promise that's given to a man who's running from his brother, who wants to kill him. And Esau is mad, like we said, because he stole the birthright and the blessing from Esau. And in that time, that was a, a really huge deal. And so it's, Jacob's not really, you know, you think of the heroes of the faith like many others, not perfect. He's not getting everything right. He uh, doesn't you know, get gold stars for knowing every single Bible verse or anything like that. So, um, but this is, this is the person that the Lord has chosen. So from there, Jacob continues. He gets to Padnerim, finds a couple men who point him in the way of the direction to Laban. And so he's, he's going, he sees Rachel, runs up to her, and is like, hey, I'm your kinsman, Let's hang out, and there's a small but you know beautiful family reunion. So good stuff there. Uh, Laban asks Jacob after Jacob begins to to serve him, "What what are your wages going to be?" And Jacob actually comes up with the number of serving seven years for Rachel. He figured that would be you know seven seven is often a, a good holy number, um, and and he chose years, I suppose, for the reasoning that he had. I didn't find much on that, but. In, in the end, he, he serves for, for seven years, and it, it takes a lot of trust uh, in somebody that you've just met to say, yeah, I'm going to serve you for seven years and then trust that you're going to give me this woman that I find beautiful beautiful, and that I love. And so Jacob is, you know, he's, he's got a lot of interesting things. He's trusted some people on some things. His mother uh, told him to do the wrong thing in stealing uh, Esau's birthright. He trusted her. Um, he also puts his trust in his father Isaac when he's told that he should leave, uh, and here he's going to trust another person, Laban, and he's going to serve Laban uh, in this situation for uh, Rachel. And so, uh, uh, an interesting, you know, just an interesting insight that Jacob is is very trusting in general in his character. So, Jacob. Works for his seven years, and he's pretty upfront with his father-in-law. He's like, "All right, it's been seven years. Ready to marry Rachel? Excited about it?" And Laban's like, "Cool. Let's get everybody together. Let's let's do this up big, and let's let's have this celebration." Um, I don't know if it was dark or you know if he was just that excited, but it turns out in the morning he finds out it's Leah, um, which is you know obviously not what he was expecting, and so Laban really betrays the trust of of uh, Jacob here, and in this, you know, of course he's going to go up to Laban, and okay, what's the deal? I thought we were pretty clear on on what was going to happen here, that I was going to marry Rachel, and that everything uh, would be good to go, and Laban's, oh yeah, well you didn't know, I forgot to tell you, you know, we, it's probably a small detail, um, that we actually give the older Uh, before the younger and so uh, just complete the marriage week uh, and you'll have Rachel but you have to stick around for seven more years and so I mean this is a pretty shaky start I don't know you know sometimes there's there's uh, you know families are at odds with one another when there's a marriage that happens well this you know this isn't exactly the the picture perfect start uh, to a family but this is this is the way that things go. So pretty much straight from there, we get to uh, a very significant portion. It was most of the reading uh, from Sam, the birth of the tribes of Israel. Um, So here's kind of the quick timeline. First, it's Leah, who she's able to have children because uh, she was hated by her husband. It kind of means that she was without love from her husband, whereas uh, Rachel was loved, and so she was actually left barren. So Leah's having uh, the first few children, hoping upon hope uh, that it's going to bring love from her husband um, to her, whereas Rachel um, is continuing to feel more and more unfulfilled as she's left barren. So Rachel has a brilliant idea um, for Jacob. It's not a new one. It's, it goes back in the family. Um, she's like, hey, my, my servant, Bill, why don't you take her as a wife? That way I can kind of have children but it will be through her. kind of sounds like Sarah and Hagar with Abraham uh, continuing on a theme there. And as Mike would say, Jacob's a guy, so he's like, I guess I'll do it, but whatever, fine. Um, and Bilhah is able to provide offspring for Jacob on Rachel's behalf. Then Leah sees that she's not producing children uh, in the way that she used to and gives Zilpah to Jacob uh, as, as, a, uh, as a wife, and Jacob's like, cool, can go along with that. That's fine. Uh, and Leah feels like she's got the upper hand, so there's this back and forth. Leah's able to have actually a couple more kids after uh, some mandrakes are are sold uh, for it, and so got that going on. Uh, then it says the Lord remembered Rachel, uh, which I think you know every once in a while we see that in the scriptures. The the Lord hears the cries of Israel. Um, you think of the, the exile, and it had been many, many years. Um, and there's, there's other places, and this one, the Lord remembers Rachel, allows her to give birth to Joseph, who, of course, you know we'll talk about in future sermons, goes on to do incredible things. So I have uh, here a multiple choice test. So the tribes of Israel. I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that. But let's do a quick recap of how the tribes of Israel came about, right? So. Uh, you've got one man and four women. Not really the way that the Lord uh, set up marriage as as we've come to know it. You've also got the deception of Laban giving Leah to Jacob. Uh, Jacob takes both Leah and Rachel along with the servants. We talked about that. Um, There's the love of one wife more than another, man whose name means deceiver uh, and has actually deceived his brother and father before and the wives uh, work out the Mandrake trade deal, uh, then you also have... Um, yeah, that's the last one. That's how the tribes of Israel came to, came to be about. Um, very very holy order, um, and it's what the Lord has used, uh, which you can find very peculiar. Don't worry, we're going to wrap this up a little bit, and I'll, I'll make it sound a little bit better here pretty soon. But that, that's how the tribes of Israel come about. It's not... It's not because they're, they're good people who obeyed and trusted the Lord always, but the Lord chose them. When you look at all the evidence, it doesn't really seem like this is the way that the Lord would ordain things, but it's the way that things have gone. And so moving on, uh, Jacob decides the time has come for him to get going back to his country, but he needs some animals. By this point, he's been with Laban for somewhere in between 14 and 20 years, uh, and they work out a deal where, you know, once again, you got deception going back and forth. Uh, there's there's the, the spotted and speckled and black sheep and goats, and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll take those from you, Laban. Those will be my wages, whatever those are. That's what I'm going to go with. And Laban's like, all right, cool. And so he gives the ones that look like that to his sons so that I'm guessing he's hoping that Jacob would have to stick around and there's a way around it in verses 37 through 40. We didn't have that reading. And so I'm just going to read it here for you. Jacob took fresh of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. The flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth stripes, speckled and spotted, And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. And so he finds kind of a way around it, and the Lord is able to provide for him. And next, the Lord tells Jacob to go home. And yes, it's been 20 years, but Esau was raging mad. And he's told, God, all that he needs to hear is God will be with him, and he's ready to go, which I find pretty amazing. Um, but that's, that's, again, the trust that Jacob has in people. And this is kind of one of the first ones where Jacob is putting more of his trust in God rather than people. We talked about him trusting his mother, his father, and Laban. Well, here he's trusting the Lord, and, and he's ready to go. So from there, he explains to Leah and Rachel And they're like, all right, cool, we'll get out of here. He's not going to tell Laban. And Leah and Rachel both were like, we didn't get an inheritance because Laban kind of squandered it. So let's take the household gods, Rachel says, and that'll be good. Uh, Not so much. Um, It ends up bringing Laban to to come on after um, Jacob. He overtakes Jacob and... You know, what, what ends up happening there is they, they kind of go back and forth, and he's not able to find the household gods because they're hidden by Rachel. And from there, they, they're going back and forth. You know, he says, Why didn't you, you set me out with, with more resources and things like that, is what Jacob's saying. Laban says, These are mine. But then Laban also knows he's, he's not supposed to hurt uh, Jacob. He'd heard from the Lord on that. And so he says, he's probably starting to get pretty mad, this, this is my stuff. He just starts listing it off, and then he says, okay, maybe we should just set up a covenant, uh, walk our separate ways, and not harm each other uh, on these sides of, of, of some rocks, a barrier, basically. So that is what we're looking at for 28 through 31. Thank you for buckling up and getting through that. We're through it all. Now we get into a little bit of application. So um, you guys can pat yourselves on the back a little bit for that. But uh, I, I think it's summed up uh, really well uh, in a commentary by John Golden Gay. We've got it up here for you. He said this, Abraham, David, they were heroes of faith, but also people with clay feet. It's such an encouragement because we are people with clay feet. Jacob was certainly such a man with clay hands, heart, and mind. Continues to be the great deceiver. And in this story, continues taking part with Laban in a network TV contest for, quote, the Deceiver of the Year Award. Um, as you saw that back and forth and, and both of them, you know, him leaving without any notice and, of course, Leah being um, thrown in there. But uh, to to summarize what what John Goldingay has said here, I mean, these were... These were messed up and sinful people. Um, and and it's, it's, it just became so evident to me as, as you saw this, this deceiving contest. And the Lord decided to choose them anyway. They didn't really do anything special to receive and give the blessings that they were able to. Uh, and as for ourselves, we're not believers because we were born into a Christian home or because we're good enough people. We're believers because Jesus Christ died on a cross and we're those who've said, I can't do it anymore on my own. And I need you to forgive me of this sin. It's funny because even in my preparations last night, I was hearing an accusing voice in my head saying, you're not perfect, you're not good enough. You can't do this. And I was like, thanks for telling me that (laughs) because that's exactly what I need to tell everybody else tomorrow. You're going to hear that. And you know to a certain extent, it's accurate, but also the Lord wants to use us, the Lord wants us Amen. what What does Mike always say that that the that God is shown great when the broken participate that's that's the mantra of this entire book, the entire word of God and so now, uh, out there, there might be two kinds of people you're like, all right i'm kind of uncomfortable with the fact that God's chosen ones are, you know, this messed up. And I, I understand that side of it. There's also those that are like, yep, I'm super messed up. Very happy that, you know, the Lord still used these people to create a great nation. And going through this, I've identified with both of you, for sure. But now I definitely fall more on the side of, of the, just the comfort that this is a people that didn't have a lot of good going for them, and the Lord chose them anyway. Because when, I, when I'm slightly unsettled by uh, the fact that this is who the Lord has chosen, usually I'm operating out of a little bit of pride, that, that I'm a pretty good person. And seriously, the Lord chose these wackos? It's like, no, you're, you're a wacko, uh, is what the Lord says, and he's chosen me. And you know I mean it's it's important though cuz for those of you that are struggling with this to to not get down in your sin. I've I've had I've had sin struggles where I I can't get over them and I'll be down for two or three days and you know what happens when we're down? We're immobilized. And the Lord can't use us in that place. We're we're paralyzed. And so we need to understand yes our sin but also how he forgives our sin and redeems us so that when those things happen, it's like, yep, still human, continue living in the purpose that I'm supposed to. And so, first, I I just want to go through a few points about why we want to be used by God. Well, it's how we're woven into God's love story for the world. I mean, think about that. There's, There's not some distant God that we you know, we, we burn things for that we don't really know what he's like just so hopefully we'll get something good. This is a God that wants to invite us into his mission and wants to use us and wants us to love those around us the way that he does. I really can't think of a better God than that. And when we are used by God, we also live with a more eternal purpose. I don't know about you, but when I stop praying and Reading the word, uh, stop communicating with God overall, get into the hustle and bustle of life. If you stop me and asked me what I was living for, I'd probably say something, you know, very Christian-y of glorifying the God and worshiping, glorifying God and worshiping him forever, uh, but that wouldn't really be what's playing out in my life. I wouldn't have been living with an eternal purpose in mind when I'm not communicating with the Lord. So how are some of those ways that we begin to be used by God. Well, I mean, you you study his scriptures, uh, become familiar with his heart, who he is and what he wants to accomplish. Build up that relationship through prayer and listening, really like we do in communion time. This isn't something that I do uh, as much as I would like to, but bringing that to our common places of our dinner table and uh, our closet, wherever it is, You know, take some time to give him your stresses and just sit and listen and see what he does. And we also go out attempting to be like the Lord, like Jesus was to the world. We don't do this alone. We don't do it perfectly. But always trying to be Jesus, I mean, not necessarily to the world, but just to our neighborhood, to our street corner, to our apartment, to our hairdresser, to our Cub Foods checkout person. You know, whoever it is, that you come across, that you see a name tag relatively frequently, I feel like that's an opportunity for us. And I don't do it near enough, but it's something I've been thinking about. And as we saw from Jacob, another way that we can begin to be used by God is to trust that he knows what's best for us, rather than what we think is going to be best for us. When Jacob was told by God to return to his home, in country where Esau may have been ready to strike him dead as soon as he stepped foot close enough. He said, how quickly should I go, Lord? What day do you need me by to be there by? So my last two things, take comfort and be uncomfortable. So two different points here. The Lord uses us exactly the way that we are. You can take comfort because the Lord will use a willing sinner to change this world, but also be uncomfortable, because the Lord will choose you as a willing sinner to change this world today. You've got to think that Jacob would stop and just wonder every once in a while. Why on earth did God choose me? Why did he choose? Why did he choose my family? Then you see what the Lord did through me. Bless the whole world. The entire world through Jacob's line. Let it be the same for us who carry on that same Abrahamic promise since we're adopted into the family of God. Lord, we just thank you so much for providing opportunities for your glory to be shown. We pray that we would give you more and more of those opportunities that we would just ask folks, what do you think about Jesus? Lord, I just pray that we would just have open hearts, that we would be willing sinners that come to you forgiven and ready to be used. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, now I know I can preach a full sermon. So, that's cool. Um, it's always, uh, it's always a joy to be up here and to see all these faces. I, I really do treasure every single one. So go now as those who are ready to be, by, be used by your loving Father. Go into this world, into Brainerd, into your neighborhood and just say, Lord, I'm a willing sinner. I'm ready to be used by you. Lord, we just pray that this next week we would see you all over the place. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. It would be some caffeinated beverages and simple carbohydrates. In the back, we'd love to chat with you for a while. Sorry I'm making fun, but you know, I love them.